So, Father, can you win this proxy battle, the war dragging on as long as it has? As we plunge into these few moments in Scripture, let it be clear. Open our minds, open our, open our, our hearts, our spirits, and may we see the picture you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I had scribbled in my notes the words, maybe you have to be a baby boomer to rec- recognize this song. But when I sat down with our, our PowerPoint operator yesterday, she's uh, a senior nursing major, Giovanni, does a great job with PowerPoint. I said, Giovanni, do you recognize this song? She shook her head. I said, come on, you know this song. She said, I don't know the song. So you really do have to be a baby boomer. But if the song were true about God, it would be a platinum bestseller a thousand times over. Let me run the words by you. See, if you're a boomer, come on, we have to admit it sometimes. See if you uh, recall these words. When you're down and troubled and you need a helping hand, you know this one? And nothing, oh, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me and soon I will be there to brighten up even your darkest night. You just call out my name and you know wherever I am, I'll come running to see you again, winter, spring, summer, or fall. All you have to do is call and I'll be there. Yes, I will. You've got a friend. You go, boomers. If the sky sky above you should turn dark and full of clouds and that old north wind should begin to blow... Keep your head together and call my name out loud, and soon I will be knocking at your door. You just call out my name, and you know wherever I am, I'll come running to see you again. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you have to do is call, and I'll be there. Yes, I will. You've got a, you've got a friend. Yeah. Imagine my, my absolute Surprised to discover these very lyrics, as it were, in Holy Scripture. No kidding. And in the Old, Old Testament at that. Take a look. Check it out. Open your Bible to the book of Job. When was the last time you were in the book of Job? Find Job. Job chapter 16. The idea of this, this old song captured in some very dusty words. You have to blow the dust off of the middle of your page for Job 16. You have been there. Some of you have never read these words at all. And by the way, you've got to have this in the New International Version. That's where this really shines. The NIV, which I have here. You don't have the NIV. Find it in whatever translation you have, but it really works. So that's why we have the NIV on the screen for you. Job chapter 16. Job. This is Job speaking. Verse 19. Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. I love this. Here's verse 20. My intercessor is my what? My intercessor is my friend as my eyes pour out tears to God. Come on. We all have times when our hearts are broken and we pray and it's just tears. That's just, 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 just these choking sobs and tears as my eyes pour out tears to God. Verse 21. On behalf of a man, on behalf of a woman, he pleads with God as one pleads for a, what's that word? As one pleads for a friend. You've got a friend. That's old dusty Job making the point. My intercessor is my friend. I wish you'd lock that in, 
lock it down for the rest of your life. I need to. In fact, grab your, grab your study guide right now. Let's, let's just scribble that down so we'll never forget it. Grab your study guide. It'll have, uh, it's, it's all ready for us to go with this text so that you may never own this translation, but you'll have the full reading of this text. Study guide's tucked away in your worship bulletin. Our ushers are coming your way. Hold your hand up. If you didn't get a worship bulletin when you came in today or you need an extra study guide, three of you with one bulletin, I want you to have this. This is a keeper. Up in the balcony as well. Glad you're here today. Those of you watching on live streaming right now, we're delighted that you have joined us. You can get the same study guide. In fact, let me put our website on the screen. If you're watching television right now, put the website on the screen. You see it there. www.pmchurch.tv. That's our website, pmchurch.tv. You're looking for this new series, Galaxy 3. Title of today's episode, episode number three, Magnificence in the Middle. Magnificence in the middle. As soon as you see magnificence in the middle, click there. It'll say study guide. You got it. Let's jot it down. This, this phenomenal, this, this, just this stirring rendition in the NIV of Job 16. Put it on the screen for you. Even now, my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor. Write in that word. My intercessor is my friend as, I, as my eyes pour out tears to God on behalf of of a man. On, on behalf of a human being, he pleads with God as man pleads, as a man pleads for his friend. My intercessor is my friend. In other words, jot this down. He is my friend. I mean, my friend, capital F friend, just as I am his friend. Wow. You say, oh, come on, Dwight. Don't get all Twitter painted or just one little line, one line in isolation in the, in the old, Old Testament. I mean, a single line doth not a truth make. So you can't, you can't build a whole picture of God out of this. Are you serious? Come on. Listen, you got Job? Let's take a look at this book, this, this uh, book of Hebrews, this enigmatic, this mysterious book. I want to show you that, in fact, this isn't an isolated moment. This, this is a portrait. Lock this in. Go to the book of Hebrews, our theme book for this short little series, Galaxy 3. Find Hebrews chapter 3. Doesn't matter what translation you have now, it works in all, all our translations. Hebrews chapter 3, let's go to, uh, let's begin in verse 1. I'm going to run three lines from Hebrews by. Three lines. We're asking the question, come on, is that an aberration in the Old Testament, that idea of Job? Does it work in the New? Watch this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, I love this, fix your thoughts on Jesus. You want to go through life? With a sense of purpose, you want want to reap to the max what life is about. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Well, you don't have anything there yet, but we're on to something because of the word therefore. When the word therefore appears, it means something's happening just before this. Go to the last two verses of chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, pick it up in verse 17. For this reason, he, this high priest, we already know in chapter 2, this is speaking of Jesus. For this reason, he had to be made like them, the sons and daughters of Abraham, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Now, here's verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Come on, could this, could this uh, high priest... This, this, uh, what's he called here? Merciful and faithful. Could this be the one that's our friend? Hold on, hold on. There are three little lines. Let's put the second line together. This is chapter four now. Also begins, all three of these begin with the word therefore. 
leading us to some sort of conclusion. This is chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, still talking about, uh, about Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now, keep going, uh, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable. In the Greek, it's actually a double negative. We do not have a high priest who is not able. NIV kind of smooths it over by sticking the un in there to make it, but you really need the two negatives. We do not have a high priest who is not able. And by the way, two negatives make a positive. Isn't that true? No, because they cancel each other out. We do not have, this is verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. By the way, don't miss next week. Story of the sperm. Next week. Next week and the following Sabbath. Story of the sperm. We have have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16. So, let us then approach God's throne with grace, throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Is this the one that's the friend? Is this the intercessor? One more line. Cinches it up. Chapter 7. Let's turn over to chapter 7. You know this line. Verse 25. Therefore he, speaking of the same high priest... Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede. That's the word we're looking for. He always lives to intercede for them. Ladies and gentlemen, we can rest our case. Absolutely clear. The intercessor and friend in Job 16 is the identical being being described here as our high priest. In fact, you know what? This is a... This is a, this is a This is a stunning little piece. When, when, when we read the three, we just say, okay, okay, yeah, well, I think I've read that once. And yeah, 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 yeah. But when you take what, what is embedded in these three, four adjectives and two adverbs, when you take the four adjectives and the two adverbs, something, something magnificent emerges. I want you to take a look at this. Let's jot them down, the four adjectives. You just read them. We don't need to go back over the verses. You know what an adjective is, by the way? What is an adjective? A word that modifies a noun. You got it. Took, took high school English. Good for you. Adverbs, by the way, modify verbs. Okay. Let's go, for, let's go with the uh, four adjectives. Jot these down. We just read them. Adjective number one, our. We just read our. That was, that was Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Our apostle and high priest. You think about the stunning truth tucked away in that little adjectival pronoun. Such a sharp, three little letters, our. And what does it mean? It means it belongs to us. Jesus says, when you pray, pray, our Father. And Sharon, Pastor Sharon led us in that beautiful recitation this morning. Our Father, which art in heaven. Our, you belong to me. Our high priest. William Johnson, who used to teach over here in the theological seminary, New Testament uh, scholar. Jot this down, will you? He, writing in his commentary on Hebrews, because we have, we have such a high priest, the doors of heaven's temple swing wide open to welcome us. This is about us. The command center of the universe no longer holds fear and uncertainty for us. We belong there. Jot that down. We belong. This is our high priest. That's our kingdom to come. Our. There are four adjectives. Number one, our high priest. Number two, jot it down. Our merciful we just read it. He's merciful and faithful. Jot down number two. Our merciful 
high priest. Peter O'Brien, the, the Australian scholar, I'm reading his commentary on the Hebrews right now. Let me put these words on the screen for you. Nowhere else in the Greek Bible are priests or high priests explicitly said to be merciful. In fact, some of those high priests, you think back over the, the, the uh, sacred history, some of them were downright mean. I mean, you want to talk about Caiaphas? <laughs> we're not talking about... Merciful was not a requirement in order, in order to become a high priest. But again and again, keep reading, but again and again, the Old Testament asserts that Yahweh is merciful. The God who identified himself as Yahweh in the Old Testament, he's a merciful God. In fact, uh, do you remember that time when, when Moses came? Moses said, oh God, I really want to see you. I just want to see you face to face. Do you remember that moment? And God says, okay, that, that's a deal. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you over here in a... Come, come back up to uh, a top sign. I, I'm going to put you in, the, in that little crevice, a little cleft in the rock. I'm going to pass by you, but I, I can't let you see my face. No man, looks at, no man sees my face and lives. So I'm going to walk by, and I'll put my hand over you, and then you'll see me. But when God walks by... You remember the story? When God walks by, sure enough, God puts a hand. Moses, he's, he's, he's hiding in that rock. And what does he see? He sees nothing. He hears God... Self-revelation. God says, the Lord, the Lord our God is merciful. The first word out of God's mouth. You want to know me? You can talk about me as the merciful God. I tell you, I know some people who know God. They tell me they know God. They sure don't know God's mercy. I mean, what is up with that? He says, this, this is my, this is my number one. Self-revelation. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, O'Brien goes on, the Gospels picture Jesus perfectly reflecting the character of Yahweh, the merciful one. He's a merciful one made flesh. Jesus is often entreated to have mercy. Have mercy on me, son of David. Yo, son of David, have mercy on us. While this theme, by the way, O'Brien reminds us, this, this theme shows up in his teaching. Look at Matthew, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful. Yeah. All right, four adjectives. Our, merciful. Here's number three. Jot it down. Scribble it down. Faithful, faithful. We read that a moment ago. F.F. Bruce. Also New Testament, reading his commentary. Jesus is merciful because through his own sufferings and trials, he can sympathize with ours. He is faithful because he endured to the end without faltering. Our merciful, faithful. There's one more adjective. Chapter 4, verse 14. Our great. We have a great high priest. Jot that down. Great. Bill Johnson again. Put the words on the screen for you. Our faith rests on something solid, on someone. We have a great high priest in heaven. He guarantees that what we profess isn't a matter of feeling or philosophy, of speculation or possibility. At the heart of our religion, if you have an S there, scribble that S. That's the wrong one in yours. If at the heart of our religion stands a man and his name is Jesus. A man, but much more, for he is God's son. Our merciful, faithful, great. High priest. Two adverbs. Okay, so they have to, these, these modify the verb. A couple of them. He saves completely. Would you scribble that word down? He saves completely. Oh, I love this. Desire of ages. The Lord would be so bountiful to his human family that it could not be said of him that he could, not, that he could do more. Circle this, this sentence, will you? In the gift of Jesus, God gave all of heaven. The one we are focusing our minds on today is the, is, is, the, is, is the gift of all the universe wrapped up in his gift to us. 
They keep reading, the atonement for a lost world was to be full, abundant, and complete. There's that word, complete. Christ's offering was exceedingly abundant to reach every soul that God had created. There must be enough and to spare. There is no way that somebody at the last minute is going to turn to Jesus and God is going to say, oh boy, we just ran out. If only you had come earlier. You could have salvation. I'm out. Too bad. Impossible. Enough and to spare. There will never be a moment when a sinner cannot come to Jesus and say, you know, Jesus, I know you've been waiting a long time. I'm here today. I've got to be saved. Never, never come a moment. I ran out. No, he saves completely. One more adverb. Here it goes. He, and he intercedes always, always, always. You know, uh, a few decades ago, come on, a few decades ago, we couldn't explain this. People could not explain this. I mean, how can God be talking to one person in prayer, talking with the kids in this little tin can uh, telephone? How can he be talking to one person and simultaneously be talking to another? I mean, how, you got seven billion people. What if everybody on earth decided to pray to God at the same instant? He couldn't cover it all. We used to say that 20, 30 years ago, but then somebody invented the computer with this mainframe. You take a mainframe now, do you know that that mainframe, if every one of us had a laptop, that mainframe would simultaneously be in touch with every single one of us, and our, our typing, our communication would be as if there were no other laptops in the universe. That's what a mainframe can do. Saves completely, intercedes always. Oh, I love this. This is from a little book called Amazing Grace. It's the last line that's the keeper here. Uh, let, let me read this to you. As our intercessor, Jesus' office work is to introduce us to God as his sons and daughters. Christ intercedes in behalf of those who have received him. And love, here, here it goes. And the Father demonstrates his infinite love for Christ, who paid our ransom with his blood by receiving and welcoming Christ's friends as his friends. Isn't that great? The Father says, look, are they your friends? Yo, they're mine. He receives Christ's friends as his friends, my intercessor and my friend. Wow. Four adjectives, two adverbs, three little lines from Hebrews. What's the bottom line to me? For me, this is profound. Here's the bottom line. Fill it in, will you please? Our merciful, faithful, and great high priest is interceding for us 24-7. You know, we don't say always anymore. 24-7, around the clock, instant access to the throne room of the universe. He's interceding for us 24-7 in order that he might save us to the max, completely. He might save us forever. Therefore, write it down now, my intercessor is my friend. Hey, come on, does it get any better than that? My intercessor is my friend. It's no wonder we can describe Jesus, our friend, as magnificence in the middle. What do you mean magnificence in the middle? I mean, you think about it for a moment. In, in salvation, in redemption, where was Jesus positioned that good Friday? It was an awful Friday. Let me put this, uh, put this line on the screen for you from the Gospel of John chapter 19. Therefore, they crucified Jesus and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus was where? Where was Jesus? He's in the middle. In the middle. On the day he died to save us, magnificence steps right smack dab into the middle. In the middle of my mess. I mean, look at Isaiah 53, 12. He was numbered with the... You remember how that ends? He was numbered with the transgressors. He steps into the middle 
of a mess I have made with my life. Some of you right now are living with a life that's in a huge mess. I mean, you're saying, I'm not going to be able to get myself, I'm not going to be able to extricate myself from this. I want to tell you something. There is no mess too messy for the magnificence of this friend of yours to step into the middle of the mess and pull you out. Last Sabbath, while we were here, I'm getting notes on the front row. I get up and do a little th- introduction to Carl. And I got this other thing going on in my mind because all through the morning, somebody's been calling me saying I'm going to commit suicide. Uh, my, my life is just over. First service is very end. They handed me a note, so I shoot out. Don't even finish the hymn. Second service, in between, we're on the phone. Before second service is over, Carl's preaching his heart out. Another note comes in. You know what he's going to do. The note says, you know what I'm going to do in 20 minutes. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes life gets that bad. But if you were the one sending me the notes, and I know you're not, because I know who was sending me the notes. But if you were the one sending the notes, you need to know, no matter how rotten your life may have, in your own estimation, become, there's somebody in the middle of that mess. When they crucified him, they put him between two thieves. He's in the middle. And by the way, he's not only in the middle in redemption, guess what? He's also in the middle in intercession. Because if you're an intercessor, look, isn't, isn't by definition uh, an intercessor someone who stands in between? Isn't that right? Isn't that what an intercessor does? But of course. So anytime anyone wants to go through God, go to God, go straight through the intercessor. That's what the, that's what the book is saying. He's in the middle, not only of, of salvation, he's in, the middle, he's in the middle of saving you beyond Calvary. Saving you in life right now. He's in the middle. Magnificence in the middle. Oh, come on. Let's read this again one more time. This is verse 25, uh, uh, Hebrews 7. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives. He always lives to intercede for them. Magnificence in the middle. On the day he died for us, On the days and nights he lives for us, he's in the middle. Now, hold on. This last middle is a dangerous middle. You know why? Because the devil takes that one. The devil takes that one and says, Yo, I want to tell you something about this God of yours. (laughs) He has to have somebody come between you and him or he would, you're dead. The devil would insinuate that God says, You know what? Jesus, I don't know what I'd do with these people. They are are ticking me off so bad. If you weren't standing right there, I'd just nuke the whole blooming planet. The devil wants you to think that God has to be persuaded and just please, please change your mind, Father. Change your mind. Don't, don't, don't do that. It's a lie. You know why, why we have an intercessor? We don't have an intercessor because God is mad at us. We have an intercessor and friend because the devil is the one mad at us. He's furious. He said, all right, Father, you see this light? You look, look at what she's done. See what he's done with his life? Look at it. That's a mess. If you save him, you have to save me. Rubbish. There's an old story. Maybe you heard it. Stunning depiction. Satan on one side, Jesus on the other. You know what's happening? So, let, me, let me just, uh, I'm not going to put this on the screen. Let me just do this right here. Uh, the book of Zechariah. Take a look at the book of Zechariah. That would be Old Testament, wouldn't it? 
Zechariah, I don't have a page number here. Zechariah chapter, next to the last book of the Old Testament, chapter 3. No words on the screen. I want you to just track this in your own Bible. You've got a prosecuting attorney and you have a defense attorney. That's what's happening right here. Watch this. Talking about magnificence in the middle. This will be Zechariah 3, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. That's code language. In Hebrew, that's code language for the second person of the Godhead appearing in another form. That, that is the pre-incarnate Christ. So he shows me Joshua, the high priest. By the way, this is a real live human high priest. Total mess. This isn't the high priest in heaven. This friend you have, this is the human high priest, total mess, and he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan, by the way, the Hebrew reads, the article is there, the Satan, this is the adversary, it wasn't his name, we just, we just turned adversary into his name, the Satan, the adversary, is standing at his right side to accuse him, Joshua, and the Lord said to Satan, verse 2, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you, is this, is this, is this man not a burning snake, snake? Is this man not a burning stick? That's a lot better. You're the snake, Satan. This is the stick. Is this man not a burning snake? <laughs> Did I tell you we uh, drove straight through the 2,160 miles? <laughs> yeah. Came back on a red eye from Portland, Oregon. Bless him. First time I've been on Spirit Airlines. Have you ever been on Spirit Airlines? No, I'm serious. It's, it's amazing. You go on a kayak. You want to find a one-way, cheap one-way ticket. It's, it's incredible. You go out for, I won't tell you, but uh, you go look it up. So anyway, my apologies. Uh, let me read verse 1 again. Then he, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and the Satan, the adversary, standing at his right side. That's where Satan stands, by the way, with you and me. Right here. Yo, what are you going to do with this guy? No, guilty, guilty, you can't, you can't, you, he's mine, she's mine. If that were the only story, that would be bad news, but look at this good news. So Satan is standing on the right, time, right, right side uh, to accuse him, verse 2, and the Lord says to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is, is this not a man, is this man not a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes. We're talking about a major mess I have made in my life. Look at this. Look at these rags. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And he said to Joshua, see, I've taken your sin away and I will put fine garments on you. We don't have an intercessor because God needs to be persuaded. We have an intercessor because the prosecuting attorney says, guilty as charged, give her to me, give him to me. That's why we have an intercessor who says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. Wow. It's no wonder. It's no wonder you have this line in Scripture. I'm just working my way through the Gospel of John for my morning worship. Came across this the other day. Bright red letters. Can I put this on the screen for you? John 16. We'll just read it. Don't, don't look it up. John 16, verses 26 and 27. I just love this. Jesus is going to be dead. This is, this is John, by the way, 16. John 16. Pick it up in verse 26. In fact, this is so good, I'm just going to read it right out of my Bible. John 16. Pick it up in verse 26. 
Jesus will be dead in 24 hours. He'll be buried in 24 hours. This is late Thursday night. Verse 26, Jesus says, in that day you will ask in my name. Okay, so we have an intercessor. He's going he's he's to have to ask for us. Watch this. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Guess what? I'm not going to go to the Father on your behalf. Now read the next line. Verse 27, no, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Jot that down, will you? Never forget it. The lie of the devil notwithstanding, the Father himself loves you and me. He doesn't need an intercessor. Well, you talked me into it. I think I kind of love her now. No, the Father himself loves you. Write that down. The Father himself loves you. And that's why 1 John chapter 2 we can put this one on the screen. First John chapter 2, verse 1 begins with these familiar words, My dear children, if anybody does sin, we have an advocate. We have, and put in the bracket there, that's an intercessor. My intercessor and my friend, we have an advocate with the Father. Keep reading. Who is this advocate? Jesus Christ, the atoning sacrifice for our sins and the sins of the whole wide world. My intercessor and my friend, Magnificence in the middle. Magnificence in the middle. My intercessor is my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what you thought of Jesus before, but I hope that from henceforth, anytime you come across this notion of Jesus being our high priest, you'll realize it's describing your intercessor who is the very dearest friend you will ever, ever have. Wow. Let me end with a story. Ravi Zachariah, in his powerful book, Jesus Among Other Gods, recounts the moving story of the great English scientist. You know, sir, you, you, you heard of sir, sir Isaac Newton, right? You've heard of him? Newton has been working for weeks, scribbling, calculating, probing into the very core of the physical universe, keeping a visual... By, by Newton's side was his beloved dog, all right? So they, they, they've been going days and nights, exhausted. Even into the night, he's writing down. The, comp, the, the papers of his computations are just piling up on his desk. One night, okay, so he's on his way to this, uh, in, in the midst of this research. One night, Newton gets up, deci- decides to leave his desk. The dog is asleep. You know how dogs are. A few moments later, the dog realizes that his master is gone, and so he leaps to his feet to follow his master, inadvertently bumping the desk where the papers are piled, and the candle, the burning candlestick, falls over. And in a matter of moments, the weeks of computation, gone in in smoke. Newton comes walking back into that study, and as he gazes at his loss, his heart, uh, Zechariah described it, his heart broken beyond repair. He, he grabs a few remnants and he puts, drops his head down into his hands and just weeps his heart out. And while he's weeping, he reaches over to his pet dog, the cause of all of this, stroking the head of his pet. He says to him, you will never, never know what you have done. You will never, never know what you have done. I mean, come on, it's the truth about us, isn't it? I mean, in things eternal, how are we ever going to know the immensity 
of heaven's rescue mission for just one, for just me, for you. Makes you wonder, do you suppose this is it? Maybe that's why in all their ugly glory, ugly glory, the purple scars of Jesus will remain forever and ever in his hands, his side, his feet. Not so much so that we may know what we have done, but so that we will never, never forget what he has done. My intercessor and my friend forever and ever. Amen.